Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to I Just Said Something Season 2. Man, I am your host, Pastor C.L. Thompson. I am ex- so excited about this season of I Just Said Something. This is your first time tuning in, I promise you. Uh, this is the show where you're guaranteed to hear something dope. I'm going to teach you. I might preach a little bit. We might get off topic, but I can guarantee you we are going to have some fun. Uh, and I'm bringing the show back because, hey, you guys have asked me to bring this show back and bring the podcast back. And I love helping people, not just God's people, but all people. I believe that all people deserve uh, some help a little bit sometimes. So, man, here we are and we are starting this season off, man, fire. I mean, when I say I'm starting the season off with some fire, I mean, I'm starting the season off with some fire. Uh, I want to spend the early part of this year really teaching on maturity. And when I say maturity, I'm not just talking about just uh, spiritual maturity because I know a lot of believers are like, oh, he's going to teach on spiritual maturity. No, I want to focus on not just spiritual maturity. We're going to focus on emotional maturity. We're going to focus on relational maturity. We're going to focus on my, my financial maturity. We're going to focus on physical maturity, all these different things because, hey, it's the new year. Everybody's trying to get things right. Everybody's trying to uh, better themselves. Everybody's posting about, hey, new year, new me. And I'm trying to do something different this year. And I want to do all these different things. And hey, how can you do that if you keep doing the same thing over and over? We know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing uh, over and over, expecting a different result. And kind of as I was praying for the last two weeks and trying to figure out, hey, what do you want to do this season uh, with the show? How, what do you want to bring this season? I said, I want to bring more relevant teaching uh, to help people grow in 2020. I hear a lot of things about people wanting to have vision. I hear a lot of things about people. This is the leap year uh, for them. So they're going to leap into greatness. And I hear all these different things. And I'm like, hey, how are you going to help the people get there? Uh, you know, because we can use a lot of buzzwords. We can say a lot of things. But if we're not teaching people and helping them in a practical way to get there, uh, they won't reach it. And so if you're listening to this show, I guarantee I'm going to give you something that's going to help you to mature in several areas. However, uh, I am starting this year off with spiritual maturity as a as a believer, as a Christian, as a as a man of God. I think that uh, the first thing that we should get right before we try to get anything else right is um, our spirit, our, our, our spiritual life is vital. Our spiritual life is critical. I know a lot of people are like this year, I'm getting my money right. Uh, I'm trying to get my relationship right. I'm trying to find my husband. I want him six, six and handsome. I'm trying to find my wife. I want to thicker than a snicker. And all oh, that's great. But if you don't have your spiritual maturity in order, it'll be difficult for you to get there. And so uh, I'm going to spend the next month on spiritual maturity, breaking down how to become spiritually mature, uh, breaking down uh, the growth that you should have in spiritual maturity. And if you're taking notes, if you're watching the show and you're taking notes and you're listening to this, uh, this is the key. I'm going to give you the definition, my personal definition of what it means to be spiritually mature. Uh, because this is going to be key. You have to understand what it means to be something before you can actually become it. And then we'll talk about what I want to talk about today is the first point in becoming uh, spiritually mature. So if you take a note, the, uh, my, my personal belief of a spiritually mature believer is this. A spiritually mature believer is a born again, spirit filled person that's led by the spirit, has a consistent prayer life, boldly proclaims the gospel in creative and effective ways they're teachable and correctable they take no joy in sin while having no habitual sins and that uses their gifts inside and outside the church all while giving god the glory i know that's a long definition and i'm gonna say it again for those of you who are trying to write like man what did he just say that seems like a lot i'm gonna say it again a spiritually mature person is a believer that is born again 
spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led, that has a consistent prayer life, boldly proclaims the gospel in creative and effective ways. They're teachable and correctable. They take no joy in sin while having no habitual sins in their life. And they use their gifts inside and outside the church all while giving God the glory. That is the definition of a spiritually mature person. And so you're probably like, wow, that's that's a lot. How can I get there? And, and I always like to put the Bible on it. So uh, a lot of times we hear uh, the scripture quoted where Paul was talking to Corinthians in first Corinthians 13, 11, where he said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, uh, I put childish things away. Uh, I remember growing up in church, I would hear that, that scripture in men's conferences all the time. Like, oh man, here comes another men's conference. They would always go to that scripture, like men, put the toys away, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I want you to understand that that Paul, while yes, he was a man, that, that is not just relegated or, or confined to a man about the childish things. But uh, as I was praying on this and trying to get more of a working scripture to help you understand why I'm doing this series on maturity and why I want to go through these different levels of maturity, uh, I found the perfect verse in Ephesians 4 and 15. And we, we often quote the A clause of this verse where it says, um, teaching each other in love or um, correcting in love. But also that scripture says we are to grow in all things. Um, and this is where it's critical because sometimes we'll grow spiritually, but we're not growing financially. Sometimes we'll grow uh, in our health, but we won't grow uh, in our relationship. Sometimes we'll grow as parents, but we won't grow uh, as, as teachers are using our gifts. And so I love that Paul said in that verse, he said, we need to grow in all things. And so if you want a kind of working verse of why I'm doing this series on maturity, it would be Ephesians 4.15 because I want people to grow in all things. I want you to be whole uh, because I've seen a lot of people who, who have a lot, but they're not whole. You know, I work out. Uh, and have you ever seen somebody, if you work out and you'll get this, uh, their arms are just big because all they do is biceps and they're doing their triceps but then you look at their legs and they got like chicken legs because all they focused on was their arms and their chest uh or you can see somebody vice versa who does leg day really well but their upper body is not built quite right because they only worked on one area uh i want you to kind of get that picture if you're not working on all areas of your life uh you won't have the balance or look the way you want to look to the world or for other believers for that matter. And so we're working on maturity. But today we are focusing on spiritual maturity. Uh, and so what does it mean? What, what, what does spiritual maturity look like? How do, how do I get there? How do I get to that long working definition, Pastor Chris, that you were talking about? How do I get there? Uh, the first thing, and I, I say this is critical, uh, you have to identify where you are as a Christian. Point blank period. You have to identify where you are. You're probably like, what do you mean identify where you are? Uh, because some people, unless you know where you are, you don't know what you need to work on or where you need to go. And so I kind of broke down the stages of believers uh, and the maturity levels that come with those different stages. Because once you can identify the stage that you're in, you'll be able to figure out the way you want to go and the way you want to grow. Uh, and so just like in life, we have stages of life, there are stages of uh, believing. And so uh, the first one is very, very simple. The new believer, uh, some people like to call them baby saints, baby Christians, uh, but I like the term new believer, the new believer. This is somebody, here it is. This is somebody who has literally just given their life 
to Christ. And I mean, just giving their life to Christ, fully giving their life to Christ. They know that they are saved. They know that they fully given their life to Christ because trust me, I've been in church a long time and you get the people who have, uh, you know, rededicated and rededicated and rededicated over and over and over. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with rededicating, but I'm talking about the new believer that is just not rededicating. This is a person that has never had any knowledge of Christ. They've heard the gospel and now they are giving their life to Christ. This is the new believer. That is the first stage of Christianity, the new believer, baby saint, baby Christian stage. This stage of a believer's life, they have a strong dependency on others. Just like when you have a baby, uh, the, the child, when you have a baby, is dependent upon the care of the parents, the mother, the father, uh, the doctors, the nurses, everyone, they have to care for this child. Uh, and, and I want to pause parenthetically right here because I want to point out something. I want to help some churches out if some pastors are listening. Uh, trust me, as a, as a former uh, pastor of a, of a congregation and uh, have been in church life for a long time, when you get a new believer, uh, the first thing you should not do is try to throw them in ministry. Let me say that again. Uh, if you get a new believer, the first thing that you should not do, what you shouldn't do, is throw them into ministry. And I know from a church perspective, I understand, especially if you're a smaller church, if you're a church that's trying to grow and you're a church that's trying to build, uh, the first thing you do when you get a new believer is you want to throw them into ministry so they can get to work right away. You want them working right away so they can get involved right away. That is the worst thing that you can do for a new believer. Uh, that is detrimental to the health of the believer and the maturity of the new believer uh, because now you've thrown them into the workforce and they're not even ready they're not even trained they're not even equipped to do it and i know the need because you're like oh i got a need this person's here what are you passionate about what can you do and you throw them to the wolves you throw them you throw them in there and and yes of course there's some cases where some people do do a great job but most of the time that throwing them right into the wolves hurts their growth and so please, for the sake of them, don't throw new believers right into ministry. Here's what you need to do. You need to help cultivate and grow them. Put them in some programs like new membership. After new membership, put them in like a grief recovery. Put them in something to help them uh, to grow in understanding. Put them in a, in a Bible study, a simple, fundamental Bible study that you can have in place. Help them to grow. They need to be fed. And watch this. Be careful that you're not going too deep with the new believer. Uh, I love the scripture says some people we start off with milk, but then we grow to the meat of the word. When you have a new believer, just like a baby, you can't give a baby a piece of steak when they come out the womb. You've got to give them the milk. A lot of new believers, uh, when they get involved in churches, the church doesn't cater the meal to them and it causes them to choke and it causes them never to want to come back. Oh, I just said something. I don't know who I'm talking to. There is somebody listening right now that you, when you first got saved, you were thrown to the wolves and it wasn't good for you and you choked and you've been struggling ever since because something happened to you. I want to tell you that that was wrong. And to the churches that are listening, please understand, give them the milk of the word. Give them the fundamentals. Teach them the gospel. Give them, don't put them on the mission field. Don't tell them to evangelize. Don't, don't do any of that. Let them grow. Let them grow by giving them the milk of the word, the simple fundamentals of how to pray, the simple fundamentals of how to relate to other people, the simple fundamentals of just understanding the word of God. And so, and if you don't have that, find a place, connect them with somebody else that can. So 
let me let me digress now. So churches, please, when you get a new believer, do not throw them to the wolves right away. Help cultivate them, help them to grow, get them not involved, but engaged in growth. You have to feed the new believer. You have to teach them the fundamentals. But if you're a new believer, let me give you the the, the stages or where, what you should be feeling if you're a new believer. Uh, you have a strong dependency upon others because you don't know anything. So you need others to give you the word. You need others to teach you. You need to be trained and you need to be equipped. Uh, you must be handled with care. But here's the other part. If you're a new believer, you have a unparalleled hunger and desire for the Lord and you start to hate sin. Uh, and I want to pause there because when I say hate sin, here's what happens with a lot of new believers. A lot of new believers, uh, once we come into the knowledge of Christ, we become very judgmental of those who are still in the world. We become very judgmental of those who have sinned. And we all of a sudden we're kind of on our high horse because we've come out of the darkness and there are some people that are still in the darkness or whatever you want to call it. And then we start to, especially at the new believer stage, we start to criticize and judge and say, you need to change your life. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop sleeping with such and such. You need to wait, pump your brakes, pump your brakes. Just two hours ago, <laughs> you were doing the same thing. And so I need to scale back a little bit, but new believers, always, if you're a new believer, this is how you can tell you're a new believer. You have a strong dependency on others to give you and teach you the word. You have a strong desire for other people to pray for you instead of praying for yourself. Uh, you need to be trained and equipped uh, because you're not able to do certain things. You must be handled with care. And you can sometimes as a new believer, you find yourself fragile and still constantly falling into uh certain sins or you still make the same mistake that's understandable you're a baby just like my my daughter adrian my, my daughter essie she's two she's walking now but about nine months ago she wasn't walking and she was falling all over the place why because she's new she's new to this world still and then you have a hunger for the lord that's the one thing i love about new believers the hunger and the passion that they have for the word the hunger and the passion that they have for the church the hunger and passion that they have for the lord it's a beautiful thing so that's the first stage new believer baby saint baby christian second phase the young Christian. Uh, and understand, let me pause and say this again. This has nothing to do with age because I know some 22 year old Christians who are very mature. And I know some 50, 60 year old Christians who are not mature at all. So this has nothing to do with age. It all has to do with how you, how you've been cultivated, trained and raised. Okay. So second stage is the young Christian, the very young Christian. You're young in your Christianity as far as a maturity level. Uh, you still need training and teaching, but some things you can get on your own now. Uh, one of the things I always hear the story about my wife when she was uh, young, my mother-in-law would put the cereal down in the bottom of the cupboard. So when she woke up, she was able to go to the to the cabinet and get the cereal out and pour her own bowl of cereal because she was able to do that now. Uh, the same with the young Christian. You still need some training. You still have some dependency on others, but there are some things that you can start to do for yourself. At the young Christian stage, you are ready for ministry in some capacity, not a mega capacity, not a major capacity, not a senior role, not a not a very not a role that is very heavy and dependent upon you. But you are ready for ministry in some capacity. Be careful churches. Again, if you have a young Christian, uh, make sure you gauge their maturity level. Don't just throw them in the pulpit. Don't just throw them on the platform. Don't just throw them to the children's ministry because I know there's always a need in the children's ministry. Don't just throw them uh, on the evangelical team. You have to really see where they fit and definitely don't put them in a leadership role as a young Christian. 
uh, that can be detrimental to your church. That can be detrimental to the person. Uh, also, as a young Christian, you have a good devotional life, not a great devotional life, not an outstanding devotional life. You have a good devotional life where, hey, once a week or twice a week, you're kind of getting your devotion and you're reading Bible plans, you're studying a little bit. You have a good devotional life, but you're still trying to understand. You have a good prayer life. Uh, it's not too deep a prayer, but at least, you know, you're praying a little bit here and there. You understand how prayer works. And then uh, as a young Christian, you understand sin. You sin more than you should, but you are repentant uh, when you sin. Uh, that's the one thing about the young Christian, their maturity level. Uh, they understand sin. They sin more than they should because, hey, they mess up. We mess up. We all mess up. You know, there's there's not one. You know, there's not one. Our righteousness is just filthy rags. You know, uh, we all have sin. As we get saved, we are not sinless. We begin to sin less. But the young Christian understands sin. They sin more than they should, but they are repentant. I love the young, mature Christian because they, when they mess up, they repent right away. And then, hey, they might do it again, but they repent right away. <clears throat> so again, that's the second stage. So the first stage, new believer, baby saint, baby Christian. Uh, the second stage is the young Christian. Again, you still need training and teaching. You don't need as much dependency. You are ready for ministry in some capacity. You have a good devotional life. You have a good prayer life. You understand sin. Yes, you sin more than you should, but you are repentant. Ah, here's the other stage, the adolescent believer or the adolescent Christian. Whew, this is the stage. These are the these are the believers that you never want to run across. <laughs> and we've all been there. I know I've been there. The adolescent believer. The adolescent believer tends to know it all. They know everything about the Bible. Uh, they know everything to know. They leave the fundamentals of the faith alone and they often seek more deeper things and things on their own. Uh, if you've got teenagers, you can feel me on this one. Uh, anybody got teenagers out there and your teenagers seem to know more than you about everything. They know more about life. They ready to argue with you about anything. They know what's best for them, even though they have only lived 13, 14, 16, 17 years on this world. And you've been here 30, 40, sometimes 50 years and they know everything. They know how to do everything. They know why they're doing everything. You can't tell them nothing. That is the adolescent believer. They tend to know it all. And they often leave the fundamentals of the faith alone, like the basics of prayer, going to church, reading the word, fasting, things like that. They kind of leave that alone because they want more. They want the deeper things. They want the adventurous things. They want they want the courts of heaven. They want they want the they, they want it all. And they want to do that. They, they don't like correction. Oh, man. The adolescent believer does not like correction. Uh, you can't tell them anything. You try to correct them and they are up in arms. They are ready to fight. Uh, they, 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 they leave churches because of correction, uh, because you can't correct me. You're wrong. I'm right. Just like any teenager, when you correct the teen, the teen gets mad. Oh, I can't stand you. Blah, blah, blah. The same with the adolescent believer. Uh, watch this. The adolescent believer only wants to hear things that speak to them. Oh, you know, teenagers, teenagers only want what they want to hear. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to do that. I want to, the same with the adolescent believer in the church. They only want to go to a church that speaks to them. Every sermon has to speak to them. The worship has to be all about them. Uh, they don't, if they don't like the music, they don't like the church. If they don't like the pastor, they don't like the church. If this don't happen right, they don't like this. That is the adolescent believer. They only want to hear things that speak to them. The, the scripture talks about the itching itching ears to hear the things that they want to hear uh watch this with the adolescent believer church is not an option most times 
they can live with or without church. They don't care about the church, even though we know the scripture says forsake not the assembling. The, the, the adolescent believer will say, I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. Ooh, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into that because church does not save you. Church does not get you to heaven. But there is something, there is a camaraderie about being around like-minded people. There is a camaraderie that makes your spirit jump when you get into the household of faith. There is something that happens when you get to church. But the adolescent believer, just like teenagers, they want to do it all on their own. They want to get away from mama and daddy. They want to, they want to do their own thing. And so uh, the adolescent believer, church is not an option most times. Sometimes they become those CMNEs. Y'all know what that is. Christmas, Mother Day, New Year's, and Easter Christians. And occasionally when, when they got to go to a funeral. But other than that, they're spiritual. They read their Bible, and they, but they don't go to church. Uh, watch this. The adolescent believer, watch this, enjoys sin because they feel they are forgiven anyway. So when they were that baby Christian, that, that new saint, that new believer, they hated sin. But then they came into the knowledge that, hey, I'm forgiven. And so now they get into their rebellious ways to where they can do what they want. They enjoy the sin uh, because they feel like, hey, no matter what, I'm forgiven anyway. That is the adolescent believer. And then you go to the next phase and the final phase is that mature believer, that spiritually mature believer, that born again, spirit filled, Holy Spirit led, has consistent prayer life, boldly proclaims the gospel in creative and effective ways. And let me pause right there when I say creative and effective ways in that uh, this is this is the believer who doesn't just come with the fire and brimstone. This is the believer that can. Uh, creatively give you the gospel and love by just opening the door for you. This is the believer that doesn't have to beat you with the scriptures over your head, but they can often just relay principles of the word. And then when people ask, like, where'd you get that from? Then they know how to uh, articulate that this is God through me. That's what I mean by creative and effective ways instead of just beating people over the head with the Bible and uh, telling them what, what they're going to hell and all this kind of stuff. No, you boldly proclaim the gospel in creative ways and effective ways in love, I might say. And again, teachable and correctable takes no joy in sin while having not having any habitual sins. Let me pause right there and give you that just since we're talking to each other. What I mean by habitual sins is when you become mature, there are no sins that you do habitually. We all sin, but it's not like you keep falling into the same one over and over and over and over and over again. Meaning like, oh, I keep doing this. I keep sleeping with such and such. Eventually, when you become mature, you no longer have those habitual sins. Will you fall into it every once in a while? Absolutely. But once you, as you mature, uh, you won't fall into those habitual sins. And then last but not least. Uh, they use their gifts inside the church and outside the church, all while giving God all the glory. Like Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, we need to grow in all things. And so I hope that this helps somebody. I hope that as we start to go into each one of these stages of spiritual maturity and how to break them down over the next series, uh, I think you're going to be blessed. But man, I am C.L. Thompson. This has been another episode of I Just Said Something, man. I'm looking forward to this entire season. God bless you. Make sure you share the podcast with somebody. I'm out of here.